Jesus Christ is risen, the joy of Easter. Now, I don't want you to look at your bulletins, I don't want you to look at the text, I'm going to give you a quiz and see how much you remember from the gospel lesson we just read, okay? No fair peeking, no fair looking at the scripture that's printed, okay? See how well you can do, okay? So, how many disciples were walking on the road? And uh, the answer is three, right? Two, okay, two. The answer was two, all right? What town were they going to? Think about it for a minute. What town were they going to? Do you know the answer? Emmaus, right? How many miles is it from Jerusalem? Huh? Someone say seven? Yeah, seven miles. It says seven miles from Jerusalem. Who joined these two? Jesus. What's the name of one of them? Cleopas. Right? When they got to the house in Emmaus, it was getting towards evening, so what did the disciples say? They said to Jesus, what? Stay with us. They were going to be hospitable and let him stay with them. And he took bread, he blessed it, and what did he do with it? He broke the bread, and then he was gone. And what happened? Their eyes were opened, right? Then they returned to Bethlehem, right? Jerusalem, right? And they told the other disciples there, he was made known to them in the what? Breaking of bread, right. Not anybody get 100%? Nobody got 100%? Oh, come on, oh, there, we got a hand back in the back. All right, one, good. Know all the answers. That's the, the, the text today, looking at this gospel lesson of this trip to Emmaus. An interesting discussion, an interesting thing we can learn from this as we look at this whole thing. Now, breaking of bread. You had the picture on your bulletin cover of the breaking of bread. And breaking of bread is a custom of the Jewish people in this time. And so you have to understand that word, breaking of the bread. What does it mean? What does it involve? And how can it apply to us this Easter season? It Maybe we could say it's something like maybe comfort food. If you notice in your parade magazine a few weeks back, America's new comfort food. By state, every state has a favorite comfort food. Now, do you remember what Oregon's comfort food is? Most popular comfort, if, you want, if you're looking for comfort and you live in Oregon, what do you need to eat? Anybody remember what they said in Parade Magazine? The most popular comfort food in Oregon is mac and cheese. Do you like mac and cheese? Now, the important thing they said in here, Beaver State residents make their mac with local Tillamook cheddar. So you've got to have Tillamook cheddar with your mac and cheese. Adding a new spin, shaved Oregon-grown truffles. Is that how you say it, truffles? 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 So anyway, that's the comfort food for Oregonians. So next time you're down and depressed, get some mac and cheese. Make sure it's Tillamook cheese, and you'll feel better. Interesting, isn't it? I was curious about uh, Michigan, where I was born. So I thought, well, what, what are people in Michigan like? So you can, uh, interesting to see what they have. Let's see, I can't remember. Uh, 
where it was right now, anyway. Oh, here it is, Michigan. Cornish miners brought uh, meat and vegetable um, pastries. Okay, well, anyway, every state's got their comfort food. Now, when we're talking about breaking of bread, we're talking about comfort that we need that Jesus gives to us in the breaking of bread. You have to understand that this is a Jewish expression when they began the meal. They began the meal with the breaking of bread. Here's the prayer. That the person who broke the bread, one of the persons was the leader of the meal, and the bread was given to them, and he held the bread up. Something like this. Bread was kind of a flat bread and base bread and baked in the, their little uh, ovens, and they had bread. And so they, the leader, or whoever was the host, would take the bread. And notice in the text, they give the bread to who? Jesus, their guest. And he takes the bread. Now what Jesus would have said was this, probably, no doubt, this prayer. This is what they did when they broke the bread. When they sat down to the meal, here's the prayer. As he held the bread up, he would say, Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who bringest forth bread upon the earth. That would have been the prayer that Jesus would have said as he held up the bread. No doubt this is what he said in the Lord's Supper when he gave it to him a few weeks before, a few days before at Monday Thursday. He would have held up the bread. And notice the prayer. Blessed art thou. It's a blessing to God. O Lord our God, King of the universe. He's King of the universe, King of the world, King of all the things of the universe, including the world and including your life and my life. He's King of the universe. Who bringeth forth bread upon the earth. The bread comes from God. All our benefits and blessings come from him. So we bless the bread. And then, what did he do with the bread? The person who blessed the bread broke the bread. And he broke the bread and tore it apart. And then he passed it to this side of the table and to this side of the table. And the people broke off the bread and probably dipped it in olive oil because that was a common thing they had and ate the bread. Now the blessing of the bread included the blessing of all the other food that was on the table. Vegetables, maybe some meat, some lamb or something that was there, some fish. Whatever they had there, they had the meal blessed with the breaking of the bread. And so now they could break off the bread and pass it around. Now Jesus did this on the night he was before he was betrayed. On Monday, Thursday, he took the bread and broke it and passed it around And they all broke off a piece and had some bread. But Jesus made something significant at that meal. He said, this is my body given for you. Broken, broken for you. Not just the bread bread was broken, but the body of Jesus was broken. And so the bread was broken. And Jesus, when he did it, disappeared. Now we see in the text, it says, their eyes We're open. This is Jesus, the one who breaks bread with us. And so the breaking of the bread is about sharing and enjoying the blessings of God, that Jesus blesses us and reaches out to us. And so the bread is distributed around the table, which I said covers all the food that's going to be distributed. When they broke bread in the Jewish meal, it was to really... Enjoy the blessings of God. 
And so this Easter season, we enjoy the blessings of God. We rejoice in all the good news. And our eyes are opened. Easter opens our eyes to see Jesus. We see the death. We vision the death. We celebrate the death in that sense that Friday is a good Friday. Jesus died for my sins and paid for your sins. And we have forgiveness of all of our sins. And then we have fellowship with the risen Christ in Easter because Jesus lives. That's the excitement of Easter, that Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ is risen. And that's what we celebrate. That's the joy of Easter. Welcome, happy morning as we sang it in the hymn, Easter morning. And the church decided every Sunday would be an Easter celebration to remember the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, bread is the staff of life. Jesus, in another context in John's Gospel, says, I am the living bread. Partake of me. See, Jesus is the living bread. He broke himself on the cross, right? The living bread who broke himself died, shed his blood for you, for me, that we might live and celebrate Easter, resurrection to life everlasting, broken for us. So to break bread, when we talk about breaking bread, we're talking about God's blessings now notice what the disciples, these two disciples did. Cleopas and the other one, who's not named. What did they do as soon as Jesus disappeared and the bread was broken? Did they continue to eat their meal and say, oh, we've got to finish all this food that's on the table? What did they do? Yeah, they went back to Jerusalem to go see the other disciples and say, hey, we've seen Jesus. He's alive. Now, remember, it's seven miles. How many, how long does it take you to walk a mile? Approximately, you know? Depends on how fast you walk, right? But approximately, most people walk maybe a mile in 20 minutes or less if you're walking at a normal walking pace. So that's about three miles an hour. So if you walk seven miles, you've got to walk over two hours. But they must have made it back pretty fast. They probably ran most of the way. But remember, it's dark. There's no street lights. There's no, they have no lights, no flashlights, so they had to kind of make their way along the dirty, dusty paths, the dirty, dusty road. But they ran back. They're so excited. They have seen Jesus. Their eyes have been opened because of the breaking of the bread. God's blessings were theirs. So what a blessing is the resurrection. What is the what blessing we have in the breaking of bread. So what's God done for you lately? Has he done anything for you? Does the Easter mean anything? Is the resurrection celebration really vibrant to our lives? What positive blessings do you have from the resurrection, from the breaking of bread? Here it is, right in the text. He walks with us. He talks with us. He walked with those disciples. Now oh, It's kind of amazing. They heard the women say the tomb was empty. They heard the disciples say it, and they still didn't get it. I can't imagine why they didn't get it. But they didn't. And so they're walking back to Emmaus, sad. I don't get it. I don't know why they did that, but they did. And Jesus appears, and he walks with them, and he talks to them, and he tells them all about the Old Testament prophecies and promises. He spends time with them, 
Think about that. That means he will spend time with us too. He cares about you. He will walk with you. He's there for you. But what, what, what blinds us to the presence of Jesus? These disciples didn't see Jesus. How come we don't see Jesus all the time in our lives? What blinds us? Well, a lot of things. Like all the activities that are out there in the world, all those things we've got to do, all those things we've got to get done, we've got to go here, we've got to go there, we've got to get this done. We've got all these things piled upon us and all the things of the world encompass around us. And perhaps, even though we may read the scriptures or go through the motions of worship, we could miss seeing Jesus, just like these guys did, these fellows, these disciples. Sometimes we're blind to the presence of Jesus. We're often found walking on a lonely road. Maybe you came walking on a lonely road today. Maybe your life is sad, like the disciples were. Maybe you have no hope. Maybe the Easter joy has already faded away. I hope not and pray not. But remember, Jesus opens our eyes in the breaking of bread. His fellowship, his presence with us. Jesus comes to be with us to break bread. And every Sunday, think of that, we take the body of Christ broken for you. He broke the bread. And he said, this is my body. Take and eat, given for you. Take and drink, this is my blood. We join in the meal that he gives to us. So our prayer, too, needs to be the disciples' prayer. Lord, stay with us, for it is toward evening. You see, time is running out in your life. You're one week closer to eternity than you were last week when you came here. Time is running out. It's getting dark, maybe. And so as the disciples said to Jesus, come on, stay with us. I invite you to say to Jesus, come, Jesus, stay with me. Come. Invite Jesus into your heart and life because he's willing to encounter you on the road of life. He encounters you and me with his presence, with the breaking of bread. He breaks bread with us. Every time we look at the word, every time we worship, we're breaking bread right here today among each other, celebrating the resurrection. This is breaking bread. We break bread in Bible study and worship and Whatever we get together as Christians or our home devotions, we're breaking bread. Think about that. When you read the Bible, you're breaking bread with Jesus. His presence, his blessings are there. He wants to break bread with you. But there's something else, especially in that prayer. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who bringeth forth bread upon the earth. He brings bread to us. His presence, his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, and daily bread. He taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Give us today our what? Daily bread. What we need for a daily bread. All we need doesn't mean just literally bread. It means all the things that we need. Food, clothing, shelter, friends, health, strength. But there's something interesting we too can learn from these disciples. He wants us to break bread with others. And share the good news. You see, the disciples ran back to Jerusalem as fast as they could get back there and say, he's risen, we've seen him, 
He's alive. They shared the good news. And all the disciples later spread all over the world to share the good news. And that's our responsibility too. When we break bread and when we see Jesus, then we run to tell others the good news. This week, you need to tell people about Jesus. Tell them the good news. That Jesus Christ is alive and well, and you've seen him. You've seen him in worship. We're breaking bread here today, right now. We're seeing Jesus in worship. And that's wonderful. We have seen him now, so now we must go out into the world and take him out there. I want to share a closing story. Open Doors is the World Watch list of persecution. And uh, this just got put out. But we need to be concerned about sharing the bread with others and how important it is. They list the 50 countries, the top 50 countries where Christians face the most severe persecution for their faith. Now, you didn't have to suffer this morning or get ridiculed or threatened when you left to go to church today. But 215 million Christians experience persecution in 50, especially in 50 countries in the world, which is approximately 1 in 12 Christians experience persecution for their faith. And they give the 50 countries, and just to share with you, the most severe country for persecution is obviously, anybody know? It's in the news all the time now, North Korea. North Korea persecutes Christians severely. There are 25 million people live in this little place called North Korea, but there's only 300,000 Christians. They're constantly surveyed, or surveillance is constant on all the people, that they don't even dare fold, close their eyes and have a prayer somewhere. If they want to pray, they have to pray with their eyes open. They gather, no, there's no churches, no place to gather. You have to worship the ruling Kim family. That's mandated for all citizens. And those who don't comply are arrested, imprisoned, tortured, or killed. Entire Christian families are imprisoned in hard labor camps where unknown numbers die each year from torture, beatings, overexertion, and starvation. And then there's a story about Hia Wu, a lady who ended up in prison, women's prison, because she was a Christian, because they caught her testifying about Jesus. But she secretly witnessed to Jesus, to the other women in prison, and a number of women in the camp placed their faith in Jesus. But they couldn't worship, they couldn't have secret gatherings anywhere. If they were caught praying or talking about Jesus, they would have been possibly beaten or killed. So they decided they had a place where they could have Christian fellowship. Their Christian fellowship, guess what? Not in a church building, but in the prison outhouse. In this, the most unlikely of places, the women silently sang songs of praise, prayed and shared Bible verses with one another. They broke bread in an outhouse, the only place they could gather safely. Now think about us. Here we are in a comfortable church, padded pews. We didn't get persecuted this morning when we came to church. We're not going to get persecuted when you go home. 
People aren't going to say, well, we're going to whip you now when you get home because you went to church. We're going to beat you or throw you in prison. We broke bread here. Now, our job is to break bread with others, including the persecuted Christians. The question was asked among persecuted Christians in many countries, what is your top request that you want from other Christians? And it was interesting, their answer, prayer. We want other Christians out there to pray for us in our persecution, that we'll be strong, we'll remain faithful. Pray for us and realize that we are suffering persecution. And then next, sneak Bibles into us. We want to read the Word of God. We want that bread of life. You see, they can't have Bibles in most of these countries. They get persecuted if they do. You've got a Bible, and many Bibles that you want in your home. There's Bibles in the pew here. You're not being persecuted for it. So it becomes our responsibility to break bread with these people, to share with them and pray for them. That's our job. So in the prayers today, we'll pray for the persecuted Christians. But I pray that you've got a better understanding of breaking bread, that when we break bread, we're sharing the love of Christ with others. And so sharing the bread is important. We pass it out to each other. We do it when we worship, when we sing, when we praise, when we hear the word of God, when we celebrate the breaking of bread. So the breaking of bread is to celebrate the presence of Christ, to celebrate the resurrection. What more joy could we not have? Indeed, we should get excited. We're Christians who know the good news. Our eyes have been opened. You're going to walk out of here with open eyes today, knowing that Jesus is your Savior who died for you and rose again, that you might live. So we can shout with joy, Jesus Christ is risen. Amen.